Season 4, Episode 2 of Strange Brow Radio. My name is Tobe Johnson. Today we're going to be talking Bigfoot. And we're going to be doing at a haunted bar in Idaho. How did I get all the way over there? I'll tell you about that in a second. Who I'm speaking with, but thank you to our sponsor, Feral by Aaron over at Etsy. Feral by Aaron, all one word, E-R-Y-N, over at Etsy, Alchemy Sound Tools. That's where you can get your needs met. Also, MetallicMonsters.com. We do witness descriptions for Metallic Monsters, and they do some incredible work on their own. Go check out MetallicMonsters.com. Monsters in all different type of metallic shapes and sizes. All right, we'll be right back. All right, so... Here we are. But before we get to some news, I did want to mention that I have a book. And if you haven't ordered it, well, you can do that. That's what the interweb does. Go check it out. You can find it at Amazon. It's called The Al Moon Lab, A Paranormal Experiment. If you've ordered it and you've rate or reviewed it, that is awesome. If you haven't, you still have a chance to do that, especially over at Amazon. It helps get it, gets the algorithms going and puts the book in uh, different eyeballs that may not get it. Uh, Really great reviews so far. Uh, Lots of five-star ratings. In fact, all as far as I can tell. And uh, I really appreciate it. But go check that out. If you want to know more about me or uh, my authorship and other authors through Hangar One Publishing, you can check that out at HangarOnePublishing.com. Or to get more in-depth news and a sneak peek, you can go check out my website at strangebrowradio.com or just type in the Al Moon Lab at the YouTube channel and there's some inside stuff there as well. I'll be having some interviews coming up in the uh, next 30 days too and I'll be promoting those over at Instagram under Strange Brow Radio and Facebook under Strange Brow Radio. Okay, coming up next, let's talk about, first before we get to our guest, let's talk about Manresa Castle. This part really sucks because it was a venue in which um, I really love to do something called Podcastle Live, where just like any other live event that we did before, we'd show up with uh, our studio equipment and sit a guest down and uh, crack wise and hear about their incredible, strange stories over appetizers and beers. And that's not going to happen anymore because of COVID passports. So, what's a COVID passport? Well, Because of uh, the pandemic, and in particular because of the inoculation and injection mandate through the uh, passports that are going around, um, they are requiring, at least in Claylam County, which is Washington, Jefferson County, and now King County, which is all of Seattle and greater Seattle, to show proof of injection. Without that physical proof, before you enter, according to the health administrator, the mayor's and the governor, Governor Jay Inslee, to be exact, you are not supposed to enter these establishments for live events, including that is Manresa Castle. So I had to call the owner of the Manresa Castle and, uh, first of all, find out if it's true, because uh, sometimes this scuttlebutt is not true. It's all BS. I've, I've passed on a few things regarding some of the BS that's gone around and uh, found out later it's not particularly true. But 
this is true. In order to uh, go into Manresa Castle, you have to have a, uh, a COVID passport, we'll call it, uh, your mark. And I think it's also coming to a QR code near you, which is ironic, to say the least, given the Al Moon Lab is highly QR embedded. And um, here I won't be flexing my own QR code on my smartphone. Now, you're all big boys and girls. You're going to decide how you're going to handle the uh, brave new world coming your way. Um, me, I'm uh, pushing back when need to. And... Uh, packing up and leaving when need to. And I'll let you know more about that, but uh, that brings us to, uh, well, before I get there, uh, I want to say, you know, if we could, we would have done this. Maybe we can do this virtually still somehow. Um, certainly would not hurt to try that. I know in uh, Brent Dill's case, that's possible. Rich Germo, on the other hand, I don't know how well connected he is to, to Wi-Fi at this moment. And um, so I'll, I'll see if we can somehow do this virtually. But to be honest, I'm not a big fan of the virtual events hosted up. I think they suck. Uh, I'm not into them. I've done a few of them only because I had to. But there's something when you do a live event, which is now being, at least in this state, uh, in these counties in particular, taken away from me. I mean, this is what the show was always supposed to be about was the ambiance of being in a live event, uh, in particular a bar. And having that back and forth uh, was fun for the audience and fun for myself. So the show is um, not what it is supposed to be. In fact, it's not really what I want it to be at this point. And that's why I'm happy to announce what I have today, which I had to go to Idaho to do, uh, which showed me that it's possible to do which is my interview, which I'd love to be doing here in Washington. This is my interview with Sasquatch experiencer Nate Rudd from the White Horse Tavern in Spirit Lake, Idaho, reportedly haunted by a ghost called the Big Girl. We even stayed the night there to be, uh, to be true investigators. So along with my um, Sasquatch conversation with Nate Rudd, who has uh, incredible photographs, which you have to go over to the YouTube channel to check out because as we relate his personal experiences, it's always better to see the witness tell a Bigfoot story than just to hear it because there's a lot that goes into the memory of the moment. And he has some incredible photographs over there as well. So from the White Horse Tavern, my Sasquatch conversation in Idaho, with experiencer Nate Rudd. Nate, you have some stories, man. I know that uh, one of the first things I remember you sharing was an image of you standing in the middle of a skid road with what looked like a pine tree that had been uprooted. And it's a fairly large, I don't know, it's a kind of bigger mm -hmm. than a sapling. It's like, yeah. it looked like it's 15 feet uprooted yeah. sitting in the road. Right. That's just one of the images that mm -hmm. sticks in my head is like, oh, he's got Bigfoot activity in Idaho, Washington, yeah. Montana. Right. And you're just relating some of that stories, some of those stories. So um, start, just take us from the beginning of where you even heard about Bigfoot and how you got started in all this. All right. Uh, well, as a kid, I was, I was into it. I was into, uh, my favorite movie was Planet of the Apes. Okay. Know? And I grew up watching the, uh, 
Universal Monsters and the Hammer. Oh yeah, films, yeah, yeah. You know, and just into monsters and all that kind of stuff. And and I remember um, I remember seeing In Search of, of course. Um, I grew up in the '70s. I was born in '69. So I watched those with my parents. You know, that's back when the family used to watch as as a complete unit family would watch TV together. Right. It was a little bit different times and. And then uh, I think I was about five years old, and uh, the, the the show The Night Stalker oh, with yes. Darren McGavin. Yes. So I was a little bit scared. Like I was pretty young. I think it was 73, 74, so I was four or five. But uh, if I recall, my bedtime was about 8 p.m., and my dad would uh, sneak me out of bed once my mom went to bed to watch it with him. So nice. got introduced to that and loved that. So kind of always been into it. And then, uh, you know, I remember all the... Boggy Creek and all that stuff. And then uh, I guess my more recent journey started about eight years ago. We kind of got back into that, um, seeing some of the shows on TV, some of the not-so-good shows. The History Channel. Yeah, that kind of stuff, you know, the Finding Bigfoot, all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it got got us interested, but I got to say, going back to uh, after I got married, you know, uh, I met my father-in-law. Married my wife, obviously. And he was an outfitter and a hunting guide out of uh, North Fork of the Clearwater on the Idaho side. You go through Superior, Montana, south over the pass, and it drops you back into Idaho. And he had stories for years and years about uh, um, this area they called Boogeyman Gulch, where they, the hunters would just get creeped out. They, 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 would nev- they didn't want to go in there at night because they'd come out at night, feel like they're being watched. They'd hear weird sounds. Um, whoops, screams, um, like I was saying earlier, from ridge to ridge, they'd hear him screaming at each other. And, uh, and he also became friends with a game warden. His name was Gene Eastman. And you can look him up. He wrote a book called The Bitter Rook Crossing. He, he chronicled Lewis and Clark's journey through that area okay. uh, way back. But Gene Eastman patrolled that whole area on horseback for 30 years. And he had all kinds of stories about screams in the night. And I don't know if he ever saw one, but seeing big prints and and the same type of stories that my father-in-law had. And then uh, at some point, I believe it was early 80s, 80, 81 maybe, they had a hunter that came in to hunt. Um, not sure who he was from, but he was a Vietnam vet. His name is Farrell. I don't know his last name. Probably good that I don't. But he, uh, he wanted to hunt in this area I was telling you about that just made them all nervous, and they wouldn't go come out of there at night. Because when you hunt, obviously you come out in the dark usually, back to camp. And this Farrell wanted to hunt this area, and, and Dave said, well, I guess you could, but we, we kind of stay out of there. We're just really creeped out. We, we get a horrible feeling when we go through there. And he, this guy, you know, tough guy, Vietnam vet, he's like, ah, I'm, I'm not worried about it. I'm going to go in there. He's like, okay, be careful. So he went off on his own, went into this uh, area, and was sitting in a, it's kind of a draw. It's a high mountain draw with a creek running through it. Um, I believe it's Goose Creek. And uh, so he was sitting up there for I don't know how long, and, and he was elk hunting, looking down into this draw. And at some point, his eyes caught, you know, maybe to his left down in the draw, he started focusing in on this big black stump, huge black stump. This is how he told the story. And uh, started getting a weird feeling, hair standing up, that kind of thing. And uh, at some point, this stump stood up and screamed at him and took like three or four steps toward him, screamed again. This guy lost it. I tailed it out of there. Uh, it's probably a good mile back to hunting camp. So he was 
he just took off back towards hunting camp, and uh, I believe it was dusk. And there's an old tree stand about halfway to the old hunting camp, and he jumped up in that to check his bullets to see how many bullets he had, and he had four or five maybe. And at some point he said, I'm not going to stand here and fight this thing, and he jumped out of there. But the whole time it was crashing behind him, breaking trees, screaming at him, you know, the whole way to that point. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, so he got out of there, survived obviously, and then he left. He left camp, and uh, the other guys got back, and his truck was gone, and they knew he was gone. Right, his truck wasn't there. Mm-hmm. So, excuse me, Dave hunted him down about I guess a week later because they still had a few days in that hunting camp, and. Uh, said, Farrell, what the hell happened? You know, we're worried about you. Did you have an emergency? What happened? He said, well, Dave, uh, I saw a Bigfoot, and I thought it was going to kill me, basically. You know, he cut right to the chase and told him the story I just relayed to you about what happened, and uh, mm-hmm. he thought he was going to die. You know, he was scared to death. And so that's the big story coming out of that area. So I guess my point of this whole thing is that's how I, I, I kind of got introduced to real mm-hmm. stories. And then right. at some point we were watching the shows, and, uh, well, let's stop there because okay. most people would hear a story like that that, you know, some would say have common sense yeah. <laughs> and yeah. say that's... Stay away from it. That's something I shouldn't do. Yeah. That's something that... So are you adrenaline junkie already? Where's, a little bit. Um, did so, you find yourself skydiving early on? Were you so, going 90 on no, a crotch rocket? I've done some of that <laughs> over the years for sure. Done some stupid things. But... Uh, like I said, it was about eight years ago. We were up at the lake, up at Priest Lake. Dave's, my father-in-law's got a lake place up there. And uh, we've spent a lot of time up there over the years. And this particular, I don't remember what month. It was in, during the summer. It was nice and warm. Um, it's about, I want to say, 10, 30, 11 at night. Everyone else had gone in the cabin. Chris and I were out on the deck, you know, had a couple beers. I don't think Chris was drinking at the time. And I wasn't drunk or anything. I had a couple beers. Um, I looked at Chris and just kind of out of the blue said, hey, Chris, um, why don't we go on a night hike? And he kind of looked at me funny and he said, let's go look for Bigfoot, you know? Because no. at this point, I was kind of into it. Like I said, I was watching the shows. I was doing a little, um, a little um, investigation on the internet, looking, you know, looking up reports and stuff. Mm-hmm. So what I found was there's a lot of reports up here around Priest Lake, northern Idaho, northern Washington. So I'd already had all those reports in my head. And I guess, you know, I don't really know why I said that or why we did that at the time. But he looked at me and said, you serious? I go, yeah, let's do it. So we grabbed our gear, our flashlights, a couple sidearms, and we went up to the ancient cedar forest above Priest Lake there. It's, uh, it's called the Roosevelt Groves. It's a national park. I don't know if you're familiar with it, no. but Teddy Roosevelt founded it okay. in the early 1900s. There was a big fire up there at the turn of the century, or somewhere, I want to say in the teens, early 19s, um, 1911, 12, something like that burnt a lot of it down, but a lot of it still stands up there. And these cedars are like 2,000 years old, some of them, just gigantic. You could drive a car through one, you know. If it... And so um, we grabbed our gear, jumped in the truck. Um, it's about a 40-minute drive from the other side of the lake. We drove around the lake, went up there. Um, there was no one there. We got there about probably 11, 11.30, you know, so it's nice and dark. And... Uh, proceeded to hike in there, and about halfway up there, um, basically we had a rock thrown at us. And we were in the middle of nowhere. This is up by Canada. I mean, it's deep. It's remote. And it sounded like a rock being thrown. It was uh, about halfway up the trail. I remember it came from our right. I could hear it hit right in front of me. Thump. 
you know what a rock sounds like, thump, and then it rolled, thump, thump, mm -hmm. thump down the hill. Right. And I guess when that happens, your mind tries to debunk it, and you think, did we just spook an elk or a deer or something? <clears throat> Nothing ran away. We didn't hear any hooves or rocks, you know. Didn't hear anything running away. So that really opened our eyes. And um, come to find out since then, I've, I've heard of other reports in that general area where people get rocks thrown at them up there. So we, uh, we were scared. I remember Chris, uh, I remember it being pitch black. I think we had our lights off. We were trying to keep our lights off. And I remember Chris, you know, racked around in his, his pistol and we were just standing there, just staring into the dark. And then we had our flashlights. So we pulled our flashlights out. We shined them on the hill, nothing. No movement, no sound, nothing. So we pushed through that, went all the way in to the ancient cedars and uh, sat down on a log down in there. It must have been midnight, 1230 by this point. You know, like I said, no other humans anywhere. I can guarantee that. This, this is very remote. No other cars up there to be seen anywhere. And uh, it's a good hike to get in there, too. And I let out a scream, probably my first call I ever did. Probably felt kind of silly doing it. And immediately, we heard a distant scream and a, a crash. What sounded like, the best way I could describe it would be like a big tree hitting another tree and exploding, like a, just a crash and explosion. Mm -hmm. It was super loud. Maybe like a deadfall getting thrown. Yeah, maybe, but it wasn't a tree falling. I've heard plenty of trees fall. I've been a hunter for years and years and years, and mm -hmm. we've been in storms and heard them crack, and you hear mm -hmm. them hit the ground and fall. You mm -hmm. know, It's a distinct sound. I'm sure yeah. you've heard it, too. Yeah. This was different. This was like an explosion, just a loud explosion, like just out of the blue. Mm -hmm. And my mind, I could just picture, of course, I'm kind of thinking Bigfoot at the time, but I can just picture you know, something just crushing a tree against a tree. Who knows? That's what it sounded like. So we were hooked. That was the first time we ever went out. That's what and, did it. Uh, that's what did it. Mm -hmm. And we've been hooked ever since. I went back, told my son, Corey. And, of course, Corey was a kid hearing all these stories from Dave who had all the encounters and stories from up in the North Fork. And he was like, oh, you're kidding me, you know? And, and it's like, yeah, we got to go out more often. So that's when it started. And then uh, we actually made a yearly trip out of the North Fork area I was telling you about. So after this happened... We thought, well, why don't we go up there? All those stories are coming from up there over the years. Right. Let's go camp up, take a week off work, camp up there, check it out. And we did, and we've been doing it every year. Um, we didn't go this year because they had a, a big fire up there. We couldn't no. go, so we had to go somewhere else. But yeah. I can honestly say probably 70, oh, gosh, I think every year except one year we've had stuff happen up there. Uh, the first year we went up there, we mm. were above the, the draw where the guy got chased out and feared for his life. Um, again, it was late at night. I've kind of got this idea where, and it's worked quite a few times for us. If you're if you're out late at night, it, the night gets late, you're not having any action, you're not hearing anything. Throw out a scream or a call. You know, I've gotten fairly good at it over the years. Kind of a blood curdling scream, like a I sound like a woman screaming, really. Mm -hmm. But uh, throw out a call, and and you'll catch them off guard if you're really quiet for a few hours. And, and a lot of times we'll get a call from one ridge and then one will sound off on another ridge, you, maybe even three of them. Okay. You know, once one sounds off, you'll hear them go off, which is it's pretty amazing. So we were up this trail above this spot that I was telling you about, the, the draw. And I did that. I let out a scream. This is about 10, 30, 11. And immediately, this is, this is the neat thing about this, I got a whoop back, the classic whoop. Oh, nice. So it wasn't a scream like I did. Mm -hmm. It was a whoop. Right. And it was right across the creek from where that basically all those stories mm -hmm. came from. 
where, where the hunters had stories. And, and so, is so that the Boogeyman? Boogeyman Gulch, Boogeyman we call it. Gulch. Or actually, okay. they named it that, my father-in-law and the hunters. Oh, gotcha. So it's not yeah. on a place. No, it, it really isn't an official place. Okay. I believe they named it that. Right. But, uh, and so we got the whoop back, and then immediately I, whoop, I tried to copy the whoop. It was your classic whoop, whoop, like that. Mm-hmm. I, did, I did a whoop, it whooped back again. Mm-hmm. I did it like four times, and then it stopped. I think it was on to us, right. you know, at that point. Maybe it was a young one, I'm guessing, I don't know. And then we kind of looked at each other, and it's pitch black. We're still probably a half a mile from our vehicles, or maybe further, quite a ways, because we hiked in there a ways. And then we start to think, well, you know, I've heard that they, try, they, they use that for lo- locating and stuff. And we're pretty vulnerable. We're, in this, we're in this, on this trail, and it's thick on both sides. Your flashlights can barely see into the, right. the woods and stuff. And so my brother-in-law, Chris, he goes, I, don't, I got a bad feeling about this. They could, be lo- they could be coming to us right now, locating us. Right. And so we decided to leave. But that was kind of our first big experience together with my son. Mm-hmm. And that was his first big trip up there about seven years ago. Right. And so, he, I mean, so we were sitting there with our jaws on the ground. When, when that, the whoops happened, we were just like, you got to be kidding. It, it validated it. I mean, we'd already had yeah. the experience with The Rock, me and Chris. Right. But to get direct callbacks like that mm-hmm. was another level. It was, it was just amazing. And uh, we, I looked at Corey, and he was like, I, I can't even repeat what he said. But uh, <laughs> so that was, uh, Corey was hooked then. So now, you know, we kind of got a group of guys, mostly family. But uh, uh-huh. we go out. On a, we, this year was tough. It's been a real tough year. But yeah. Uh, Typical, typical year, we'll, we'll go out like maybe eight camping trips. You know, we'll do okay. a full week. And then I do a hunting camp week that's during hunting season, yeah. third week of October. And in 2017, that's where I had my, my big experience that changed me. I mean, it just opened all kinds of questions and doors to what these things are and their special abilities. I, I call them special abilities. And Yeah. Well, let's hear it. All right. I'll just go into it. So uh, we do this hunting camp every year. My me and my best friend Rob, and this year Corey's going to hunt with us. He finally finished Hunter's Ed at 27. Okay. I've been bugging him for years, so I'm really excited about that. He's going to hunt with us. He's been with us before, but he's never hunted. So we do this uh, trip every year, me and Rob, and we take a week off work, set up camp. You know, it's, it's a good little process, a lot of gear. We take up a lot of weeks' worth of food, um, camp stove table. You know, mm-hmm. we're packed. We're packed up. So setting up camp's a good couple hours, and... So we did that, set up camp, and uh, I always like to start our trips. This might kind of sound funny, but it actually works sometimes with a, with a scream or a whoop, maybe hit a tree a couple times. You never know what you're going to get back you mm-hmm. know, when, you're, when you're remote. So I did that. Um, nothing happened. We went off and hunted, uh, hunted that day, that afternoon, got back. Nothing happened that night. Um, the next day we woke up early, went out hunting. We came back midday for lunch, back to camp, which we don't always do, but we did that day. And we pulled in our little entrance there to the camp, and that's the picture you referred to. And this sapling, like a 15-foot sapling, probably, I don't know, three, four inches in diameter, was laying across the entrance of our camp with a huge root ball on it, big dirt. I mean, I got pictures of it I could show you. And we're like, what the heck's going on here? That wasn't there. Or my buddy Robbie goes, that wasn't there when we left. I go, no, it wasn't. You know, and I don't even know if I was thinking we were in honey mode, hunting mode, even though sure. it's always in the back of my head. And uh, so we parked the vehicle. I hopped out first, I believe, and I went over to it and I looked at it. 
there's no drag marks coming and it was just sitting there with a little bit of dirt by the root ball right i picked it up all the dirt fell off i mean just you know and i think you can see that in some of the pictures but yeah it's and fresh. this thing was heavy you know it had yeah. a big a root ball like this on it and it just was perplexing we're thinking what is going on i mean and so we proceeded to look around the entrance in both tree lines we must have spent 30 minutes looking to where, for where this tree came from. Thinking we'd find the hole or whatever, you know. There was nothing. Right. We looked and looked, looked, couldn't find nothing. So something, something brought that in. Something carried it in and placed it there. Otherwise, you would have had a big dirt trail right. with something drug it in, right? Like if a human did it, it would just make sense that someone would just drug it in and, and lay it down. So that was the first thing that happened. And, then, um, and how's a human ever going to... And why would anybody do that? Pull that Cause, up cause out of the room. It wasn't something that was going to stop us from going in and out. It, yeah. was, it was a sap, you know, small, I guess you call it a sapping, but it was bigger than that. Yeah, you'd have to yeah. tie a, a tow rope around it. And well, you think about the strength out. it takes to pull out even a big weed in your yard mm -hmm. or even a small little tree that's coming up and you want to get rid of it. How many times have you yanked on one of those and you hurt your hand and stuff? Yeah, I challenge this was, any big man to pull out a 15 tall foot. No human could have pulled this sap. out. No. No, no, no human could have done it. Um, and it was a deer rub tree too. There was a oh really? There was some rub from the horns. You know how bucks will rub on the tree, yeah. Which uh -huh. kind of adds to the weirdness of it. But uh, so we, uh, I don't know. What are you gonna do? We just were hunting, so we just kind of just okay. That was weird. We took pictures of it. Never thought anything else would happen. And uh, so we uh, went back out, hunted till dark, and then we started hearing tree knocks. Your classic tree knocks, like. The first night, they were off in the distance. Mm -hmm. There's a big uh, a field. I guess you call it a field. It's, it's a big valley that runs through. It's called Squaw Valley. It's on the Washington side, about seven miles from Highway oh, really? 57 from Priest. And uh, we started hearing knocks at night, you know, late into the night, like distant, pretty distant the first night. Like not stuff that would wake you up, but we heard them before we went to bed and stuff. And, right. then, and then, so, you know, by then I'm thinking, yeah, this is weird. I kind of have an idea what it might be. And my buddy was a big skeptic, so mm -hmm. he didn't believe at all. You know, because is, is he hearing what you're hearing though? Yeah, he's hearing yeah, all that he's too. Hearing. So oh yeah, he, he experienced what's he saying? everything. What's he saying? Well, he it just is. this is weird. He just kept saying this yeah. is weird. I'm like, yeah, it's weird. This isn't normal. I mean, you're in the middle of nowhere. There isn't humans aren't gonna invade your camp. Your hunters, you got guns. I mean, how stupid would that be? They're not gonna come in at two, three a.m. and knock mm -hmm. on trees behind your tent right. and stuff in your camp. I mean, right. who does that? Right. And uh, so fast forward to the next day, I think this was the second or third day, woke up, went hunting. This particular day we stayed out all day. A lot of times we'll do that, take lunch with us, stay out all day. Mm -hmm. Came back that after dark, which is probably 4.35, it gets dark early that, that time of the sure. year. Or maybe it's like five, I don't know, but uh, it was dark. And uh, we pulled down the entrance to camp and immediately to my left, we had our camp table, the tent was over here. I saw, I spotted it right away. Probably a 20, 25 foot fresh pine, I guess it would be, pine tree, pushed over right in the middle of our camp. And I hit it with my flashlight, and they have pictures of that, where Rob took some pictures, of what had my flashlight on it. And I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. It almost hit our camp table. So this is the- So it's already pushed over, you're not watching it get no, no, pushed no, over. it was already pushed okay, over. Okay, gotcha. But, but the, the weird thing about it, and again, I have pictures of this, 
and a lot of people have seen these pictures, but it was snapped off right at the base, right at the, at the dirt. Mm -hmm. And the, you can see where the roots were pulled away from the, the roots in the ground. Just, and you can see it was a fresh tree. Right. And this thing was, you know, like this big. Yeah. Around 20, 25 feet tall. Yeah. Totally green, totally new tree. No wind, no wind that day, no storm. Mm -hmm. Pushed over right in the middle of camp. So we couldn't really do much that night except kind of be shocked and look at it, take some pictures. So we got up the next morning, went over to that tree, took a, some good pictures of where it snapped off and all that, and uh, documented that. And then the knocks started ramping up louder and closer. That night, they got mm -hmm. a lot closer to the tent, and they were loud. They were waking us up. You know, it was bam, bam, right behind the tent. Are and these single knocks, or are they they were. They might have been single, but there was multiple of them. Okay. Um, the thing but, is, I didn't, I didn't, you know, I didn't document any of this because I was hunting. You right. Know? We weren't out Bigfoot investigating Bigfoot. But foot. looking back, were but, the knocks surrounding you, like answer, so, yeah, response? Yeah, that's what it was like. Yeah. And, and then, you know, towards the end, they were right behind the tent. Mm -hmm. It was pretty terrorizing, to be honest with you. But uh, one thing I, I should back up, I should mention that I believe it started the second or third day. We'd come back into camp at night from hunting, and we'd hear a knock. It was almost as if they were alerting that we were back. It's kind of what I, uh -huh. in my mind, that's what, uh -huh. looking back on it, maybe uh -huh. not at the time I didn't think that. Right. A little bit more distant knock when we'd come back. And then, um, where was I? I think I was like night three or four. So the knocks got really loud. And uh, we set up two game cams. I, I believe after the, I got to back up, I apologize. So before that tree was pushed over, we put up game cams. Our, we, have, we always bring hunting cams with us. Put one behind the tent and one in the middle of camp. Okay. And I remember we woke up that morning after the big tree was pushed over. And uh, I thought, it was either Rob or I thought, hey, the camera should have caught that at the angle because it was kind of in front of the camera, right? Mm. Rob walked over. I, I wish I would have said this in order, but we had no. To, but I'm glad you I had to back, back up. This is a big yeah. deal. This is a really big deal. It the sounds, game cams. Yeah, it sounds. And familiar. I always forget to put the game cams in the story till after the fact. Yeah, that's all right. But anyways, um, Rob walked over to the camera, and he goes, "Nate, you're not going to believe this." I go, "What?" He goes, "There's a dead moth, squished backwards on the eye of the camera." <laughs> did you get so, a photo of that, of no. the moth? Pushed on the I lens. I don't believe he did. I okay, don't believe that's he did, no. that's pretty cool. Yeah, it is. That's cool. really cool. Yeah, and I remember looking at it, and I don't know if he flicked it off. It, yeah. I think it was his camera. He should uh, see. That's the thing when you, when you're not thinking straight. Sometimes oh, sure. you don't. I wish I would have got a picture of that. But so something happened behind the tent, but not yet. So th there's more to this game cam story. Okay. So that somehow, looking back at all this, they 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 have a way of messing with cameras. And I think we all know that. I mean. Um, so the moth was over that one. That night, the, the knocks, it was waking us up. I mean, two, three in the morning. And, uh, you know, Rob would, I'm kind of a heavy sleeper. So he'd wake me up and then I'd hear it right away, you know. And, and multiple nights, two or three nights, we, we'd run out of the tent. Because we're, like, what, what are you going to do, you know? Flashlight, we have really powerful flashlights. Never heard, the thing is, we never heard anything run away. We never saw anything. And we, we'd look around in the dark. Of course, we're pretty creeped out, you know. We didn't run deep into the woods because it's mm. pretty thick. Yeah. Never saw anything. But the uh, kind of the big thing that really scared us, honestly, well, 
one of those nights, either the fourth or fifth night, because it's about, it's a Saturday to Saturday trip. And basically we left a night early because we were so tired and stressed out from not getting sleep. For at least two nights in a row, we didn't get any sleep. Um, we, we just took off. But um, Rob, one night, one of the last nights we were there, Rob said he didn't wake me up because he wanted he just wanted to lay there and listen. Right. He said he heard a, what, he, what he, it sounded like a stick being drugged all the way around the tent. It's a big canvas hunting tent. Yeah. You fit four or five guys in yeah, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. He said it went around my side of the tent. I never heard it, and he didn't wake me up. It went around the whole tent right by his head, and he sounded like something was just dragging a stick. And he just eventually went back to sleep, but he told me that that happened to you, to him. And he then, went back to sleep Yeah, he went back that? to sleep after that, yep. That's pretty strange. We were so tired. I mean, it was, mm -hmm. you know. But, uh, and then the, I think it was the fifth or sixth night, the, it was the second to last night, we were sleeping. Again, we'd heard some knocks earlier in the night. I woke up this time to the, the loudest, deepest growl right behind my head because my head was in the back corner of the mm -hmm. tent where that game cam was. So it was on a tree right up, looking at my corner. I mean, deep guttural growl. And I woke up, and at first I, I was like, uh, did, I, did I really hear that? Or did I dream that, you know? So I just wanted to lay there and see. It mm -hmm. happened again really loud. And Rob didn't wake up. And so this whole week, we're waking each other up. You know? right. Wake up, wake up. Yeah. And so I'm like, Rob, wake up. There's something growling outside the tent. And it happened two more times. He heard both of them. So it happened four times. Okay, so we were just talking about the stick being drugged by the uh, canvas tent. Yeah. And then you had a growl, which... Had a loud, deep growl. Yeah. It happened four times. My buddy Rob woke up, heard it twice. And like I said, at this point, we're really stressed out, lack of sleep, really super tired. Probably not even thinking straight when, when you when you don't have sleep like that, you know, mm -hmm. you just you, you can't function like normal. So we, um, I looked at Rob. I go, "What are we gonna do?" And he goes, "Well, let's throw our pants on and grab our guns and go out." You know, that's what we did as fast as we could. We pulled our pants on and grabbed our guns, and we have really bright lights on our pistols, and we kind of did the the lethal weapon: one, two, three. Z you know, because it yeah. zipped down, so zip up the tent like that, run out both different directions. I remember yelling, hey, bear, because when you're groggy and sleepy sure. and you're in grizzly country, which we are, that's your mind just automatically goes to that. I really thought it was a bear at that time. But looking back on it, it didn't really sound like a bear. So we did that, went around the tent, running with our lights, you know, nothing. I mean, just the weirdest thing. Didn't hear, now, when you, when you spook a bear, if there was a bear in camp, Unless he's going to challenge you, he's going to run away. Mm -hmm. And you're going to hear a bear run away. If you've heard a bear run mm -hmm. through the woods, they're loud. Yeah. They can be stealthy coming in and out. Mm -hmm. But when they're running, they're cracking sticks, they're going through bushes, mm -hmm. it's loud. Mm -hmm. Didn't hear anything. Not a grizzly. I've heard black bear, well, but not a grizzly. Yeah, maybe not a grizzly. Yeah. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> black bear for sure. Yeah. Um, didn't, didn't see anything. Um, didn't hear anything running away. So uh, I don't know how you explain that, but. Um, they have a way of hiding, I think, you know, from us. So the moment you do one, two, three, you open the canvas tent, nothing's there, something should be there, especially yeah. if it's a bear. Well, being yeah. right behind my head, maybe. How quick after you heard that sound did you go out? Was mm. it a couple of minutes? Was it no, it would have been under a minute, I would think. So you yeah. still would have heard something yeah. as you're getting moving your away pants on something. going to the tent. Yeah, that's Something slowly leaves. We never yeah. heard anything, which is really Does bizarre. that bother you? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Because yeah, that's not normal. That's so fair. attribute that to only something being physical. Let's say it's yeah. the most stealthy ninja in the world. Mm -hmm. Do you still think it would be possible for a giant human to mm -hmm. pull that off? I don't. 
I don't. It's not possible. I don't see how because there's always sticks on the ground and stuff. Like when you walk through the woods, you're, even when you're trying mm -hmm. to be quiet hunting, you're like, oh. So there's yeah. lots of underbrush, oh, yeah. deadfall. I could show you pictures yeah. of that. No yeah. way of getting from A to B no. without a right. sound. That's, that's true. Okay. Yep. And I, could, I do have pictures of around the trees and pictures that we took during mm -hmm. that week that'll show you what the ground looks like. I think it's interesting as we're talking about that, too. I don't know if you can see that or not. It says the word shoes. Oh, which wow. Which is a little pointy, That is interesting, too, yeah. What we're talking about. The ultimate shoes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, all I can tell you is we were, like I said, we were, we were pretty scared, stressed out. I mean, this was in 2017, so I'd already been doing the Bigfoot thing for... What is it, 2021, 20, probably? You're Bigfoot, or you call it the Bigfoot thing, but you're a squatcher, Nate. You gotta admit, you gotta embrace your role. 20 is, <laughs> I think 2013 when I first started, but. Uh, uh -huh. So anyways, long story short, we, um, we went back in the tent, laid back down, after all that craziness, and we, you know, I looked at Rob, and I go, hey, what are we gonna do? You know, we got one more, one more night before we're gonna leave. I go, are we going to stay and tough this out? Or, you know, we were both super tired and stressed. And um, we thought about it. If we, if we were going to stay, we'd have to sleep with our clothes on, our guns on our chest. I mean, what's the next step? Running out of the tent, shooting? I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know. It, was, it ramped up every day. I can tell you the pressure got worse every day. It was almost like a psychological thing. Like, they're just messing with us to see how far they could push us. Like, they, they definitely wanted us out of there. That was obvious. So but, at no uh, point did you feel as though they were being inquisitive about who you are or trying to play with you? It was getting no, more aggressive. It was getting more aggressive. The growls, I guess yeah. the growls is what kind of changed it. Mm -hmm. um, the knocks are loud and stuff, but not mm -hmm. super threatening. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. the growls is what did it, you know, kind of sent us over the top. Mm -hmm. And so we decided to go to my father's lake place at Priest and call it a leave a day early. So we woke up that next morning zipped up everything tight in the tent, you know, foods put away, all that. Um, went and got a good night's sleep at the cabin, came back the next day to, to pack up camp and leave, and the tent was zipped up about nine inches when we got back. Well, my buddy Rob left his uh, lantern on inside the tent before we left. I forgot to mention that. That night, um, or no, the day before, let's see, we left in the morning, right? No, we left, yeah, we left the next morning. He left the lantern on. Those lanterns will run a good, easy 24 hours on Battery-operated lanterns. Yeah, just yeah. a little stream light. Yeah, uh -huh. they run a long time. So we came back the next morning. The lantern was still on. The tent was zipped up about this far. And I have pictures of that, too. Mm -hmm. But I guess, you know, this, this encounter is what kind of changed the whole Sasquatch thing for me. Like, mm -hmm. before it was kind of more like, I still think it's physical, but I think it could, there's more to it than that, maybe. But it, mm -hmm. it kind of changed me from my line of thinking that there's something more to this that we don't understand. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I, sometimes I say supernatural. That's not the right word. I think more paranormal. It's mm -hmm. not normal. Like mm -hmm. they have these abilities to just blend in and, mm -hmm. and uh, hide and, and disappear. Make, and Does it make you nervous to give that point of view on camera? I mean, not, no, does it bother it, you to it admit doesn't. that? It doesn't at all because okay. I've experienced it, you know, and, and I'm to the point in my life where I really don't give a rip. You right, know, I've I've experienced this stuff, and yeah, um, I don't tell I don't tell everyone about it. I mean, right. if I if I sense that someone's willing to yeah. have an open mind and listen, and but some people and, like you know, I remember Polites saying to Ron Moorhead on the missing four one thing, <clears throat> and I kind of appreciate this question because it's a 
it's a ballsy, odd question to ask somebody, but is it embarrassing? And he, he asked Ron, oh. relating the stories, the weirder okay. stuff that happened at Sierra Camps, he said, is it embarrassing to talk about? And I think it is kind of embarrassing, especially well, for guys a little bit, because we're so on rough on one to. another. Yeah. Generally, but it's also yeah. embarrassing to admit a little bit because it's how are you ever going to yeah. prove it? Right. You know. Right. Yeah. Well, I had a witness there. I mean, yeah. there, there is another person that was there. Yeah. Um, and actually, in most of all of our encounters, there's always more than myself, mm -hmm. which always helps to have other witnesses with you. Mm -hmm. um, have you taken women or children there? No, we have not. Um, my wife won't go because she's again. That's her dad that has all the stories. Oh, she's so just, she's grown up with these stories. She's grown up with the stories, and she found a bed near that area when she was, uh, I want to say, preteen. Uh, sticks all broken up and laid out. That what she described it looks looked like a bed. That's she described it that way, not knowing anything about Sasquatch. Right. It was in the middle, kind of the middle of nowhere, uh -huh. and she found this thing. She just kind of hiked upon it, and it was just a bunch of sticks all laid out together. Mm -hmm. And she picked. She in her head, she said, "It looks like a bed." Mm -hmm. And so she found that on her own. This was, you know. So is she, is she interested in She's interested and she's tolerant. Um, I don't think she, no, I don't think she really cares either way. Uh -huh. But she supports me, you know. Yeah. It's, it's, when you have an experience like that, mm -hmm. it changes you, you know. It, it affects you Well, plus her dad's deeply. validated it, too. Her dad. And he, he doesn't think you're crazy. No, he believes in him. He, yeah. he says super, he thinks they're supernatural. Which oh, he says he that. He says that. So he, why does he say that? Because he didn't because, describe anything. Yeah, I know. Just the feel. You know, I don't know. That's a good question. We'd have to ask him. But um, have you ever asked him why do you no. think that? I think he's mentioned the Native Americans. Like he, maybe he's done some reading on it. Uh -huh. Like he, I remember him saying the Native Americans thought that they were supernatural, mm -hmm. or had supernatural powers, and maybe they mm -hmm. did somewhere. But um, that's a good question. Well, I'll have to ask him that. But uh, that's he, that he has mm -hmm. made that statement. And, uh, but you still go every year. Oh, yeah. And yeah. so you go there with a set group of guys that have experiences. Yep. And do you find that you're going there more and more, less for, the, small less for the hunt and more for the Bigfoot experiences? You know, um, it, it, it's kind of hit or miss. Some of the times, it depends on who's there. Like, we have our core group. It's a pretty small group, maybe five guys. Sometimes you'll get a couple other guys coming along that aren't really into it. So mm -hmm. those are more of just camping trips and let's see what happens type of thing. Mm -hmm. But sometimes things happen on mm -hmm. those when you're not expecting it, you know. Mm -hmm. And and the thing is, is, and you know this, Tobe, when you've been doing this for a long time, you, you kind of teach yourself what to look for, mm -hmm. right? I mean, I think there's a lot of things people walk right by in the woods mm -hmm. and they wouldn't even see it. So I think it helps to kind of know what to look for, you know, like structures and, mm -hmm. and the little alder bushes woven together and, I mean, little stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Just things that are out of the ordinary, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, like the, the stick symbols, we, the asterisk symbols, mm -hmm. you found and I found. Mm -hmm. In the middle, I mean, well, that was by Rich, yours was by Rich's place. Mm -hmm. Mine was literally in the middle of nowhere mm -hmm. in that North Fork area. You've mm -hmm. seen the pictures. Yeah. They're yeah, riches were two trees that were pulled together yeah, and they with made almost that. like a stick holding yep. them together, like yep. a prong. Yep. Very but, unusual. But looking back on it, it yeah. looked like the asterisk, and yeah. it had the, the branch going through the middle. Yeah. This Not thing. windfall. No. Yeah. And the one I found, yeah. you saw those pictures. Yeah. They were placed, and it was probably this tall. It was pretty big uh, structure. Yeah. Leaning against a tree in the middle of nowhere. 
and they were weathered. It had been there. It looked like it had been there a long time. But, yeah. but it was the same asterisk with the stick running right through the middle. Mm-hmm. And since then, I've talked to, um, I don't know if you know Justin Decker, but he, mm-hmm. he was in touch with some First Nations people, and he, he was asking about these symbols. I think he had found one real similar. And they told him that the stick running through the middle always points to like a water source or medicinal plants or something important like that. Okay. Never take heard take that. from it what you will, that's but that's, a, that's what they told him. That's new to my tool chest. That's, that's what they told him. These are First Nations people, so. Okay. Um, but yeah, just stuff like that. Just bizarre things uh-huh. that you can find. Um, so when you go into that, you go into the same area over and over still, the one where the trees are pulled out and set in the road? Yeah, that's our hunting camp. So we'll, we're going to go back there. Now, it's gotten a little busier in that area over the years. This, this was 2017. Um, once in a while, those couple of main spots will be taken. So we'll have to go a little more remote, a little further away. But, you know, most of the time we're there. Mm-hmm. We're within probably a half mile of that. Is there spot. a hunting group? That, uh, you're saying places could be taken. Well, if just, you go a half a mile, think, is there a truck down that yeah, way? There could, and you could maybe hear them recently, having a laugh in the evening. Recently, kind of there has been, but okay. it's still distant. It's still quite a ways off. It's, mm-hmm. You're not like right next to somewhere. But uh, um, have you ever heard any of them unexpectedly leave uh, during the night? No. No. Not that I can remember. Leaving behind um, their tent and their yeah n- no their belong- nothing like that no yeah no but. It's kind of sad. I think people are catching on to the spot. It's uh, it's on this side of uh, the Selkirks. Like you have Colville mm-hmm. National Forest, Colville, Washington, and then a mountain range that separates mm-hmm. this this side. And to get to our side where we hunt, you have to go up 57 into Idaho. So it's a big roundabout way to get there. So most guys stay on the other side. It's just easier to get to. But I think the word's out that it's it's good hunting. So it's it's okay. getting busier. But nobody's so. given up the goods on Bigfoot. No, not that I'm No BFRO of, no. vehicles up there no, scouting or no, no bumper stickers no. that indicate as such. No, I've talked about it a lot and I've mentioned the place, so yeah. it's out there. So that's a possibility, but um, that's the yeah. problem when you talk about these things. Yeah. But it's, it's, our hunting, it's our hunting spot, so it really doesn't matter. The other spots, no one, no one would find our other spot in the North Fork. It's a big area. Right. You know, so... We'll so keep, do you feel we'll like you're getting one. closer to knowing individuals at any point? Like, uh, I mean, you've heard well, a growl. I would say, yeah. I would say that the ones at the North Fork, we've been going there for seven years now. I would say they know us. I, you know, I, we, I don't know if we know them. Mm-hmm. But I think that there's a chance that they know us because we go back to the same couple of spots. And I don't think people don't go up there mm-hmm. and do that. So when, like I said earlier, when you, when you let out a stream at like 11 at night, mm-hmm. And there's, it's remote. No one, where we go, there's a gate. And it's not a, it's not an opening gate like the Forest Service gates that open. This is, this is railroad ties bolted gate. This old skitter road. So you cannot open the gate. So basically no one ever goes up there. Okay. You can't open the gate to even get a vehicle up there. So we have to park our vehicles there. It's like the end of the line. The hunting camp's down below. And you have to hike, hike in. So there's been many years where we've, and we like to do this, we'll, we'll pack in with an 80-pound sack. Yeah. And we'll go, say, four miles in over two nights. We'll, we'll go a couple miles in, camp, mm-hmm. go another couple miles in, camp, mm-hmm. and then come out over the course of, like, maybe four to five days. Okay. And those are great trips. Cause you're, and that's where we found that asterisk symbol that right. we were talking about. So very remote, very remote uh-huh. 
and my father-in-law and the hunters that hunted in there, they, they went in on horseback. That's how they got in there. But they had the hunting camp down mm -hmm. below but where you could drive the rig into, mm -hmm. but then they went in on horses to what access all that. What about stranger things uh, as far as um, peripheral stuff? Anything ever happen as far as dreams with you while you're sleeping that seem real or... Um, I've got a couple things. Anything, especially when you're in the area, maybe even mm -hmm. when you get home. Here's, here's one for you. Now this, this is, uh, I gotta go back to the hunting camp. This was last year at the hunting camp. This happened, so we, we'd heard some distant knocks. So mm. we still get some activity in there. Nothing like we had before. We felt like they were really pissed off at us for whatever reason. The, the time I just got through telling you about. But we, uh, my son had showed up two days earlier. He came on a Wednesday, we came on a Saturday. So he, he'd been there for a few nights and oh, he'd okay. recorded some wolves howling in there and stuff, all by himself. He's a pretty brave kid. And uh, I think it was the first night I was there. So either, maybe it was Saturday or Sunday night. We, uh, he said he'd heard, he's a pretty light sleeper. So he said he'd heard some knocks in the distance. We got up the next morning. We have a privacy tent. It's a, one of those ni tall nylon tents where you can put your, uh, where you do your business. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. A bucket and all that yeah. thing, right? They're about seven feet tall, mm -hmm. nylon, really light. So the wind could blow them over. We woke up. The tent was on its side. Um, no one heard anything. And so it could have just been the wind or even an animal knocking it over. But we walked up to it, or one of us did. I can't remember who walked up to it. And there was an old rusty can, a steel can, I mean, it looked like it was pulled out of the ground, been there for years, really rusted out with holes in it. Yeah. Right on the side of the tent. The tent's like this, lying flat. Mm -hmm. This can's sitting right on top of it. On top of the fabric? On top of the fabric, right on the side. To let you and know it wasn't wind damage. Yeah, it wasn't. I mean, <laughs> yeah. someone put that yeah. can there. Yeah. Something put that can yeah. there. And then I kind of put two and two together in my head. I could be wrong, but we'd, um, when we go out and hunt, we... You know, we're out all day, so we're taking our food and our, our drinks and pop, and we're back of the pickup, sure. right? Just throwing, yeah, yeah, so yeah. you don't throw it in your cab. And then we get back to camp, we clean it up. Well, I think, um, for whatever reason, the night before, we'd, um, we'd thrown them out of the, we always throw them out on the ground, and then we'll get a bag, clean them up. Yeah. We left them there that night, all over, scattered around. Oh. And then this tent gets pushed over, and there's this old rusty can sitting on the tent. So in my mind, it was telling us to clean up our crap clean up our garbage. I could be wrong. I'm, I just no, but that goes into... Because that's some of the things, like, the messages you get, you know? That's like what we call the object, object yeah. of significance, where they're playing a like-for-a-like game. Like, yeah. you're doing this, you have this, this is what's happening, so mm -hmm. here's our version of what's mm -hmm. happening here. Yeah. Yeah. And they didn't really bother us that trip at all, so that was a real subtle thing, mm -hmm. other than, like, some distant knocks that my son heard. Yeah. We, we hear thumps at night, but that can be animals, you know? You gotta... We don't run to everything mm -hmm. Sasquatch, obviously. Um, what about then, prints? Have you seen prints? Yeah, I found one amazing print. I can show you the picture. You know, I, I, I was, again, I was hunting, so I wasn't. Luckily, I had my phone with me, so I had a camera. Took some good pictures of it. It's, it's deep in the mud. You can see all five toes. I'm a size nine. This thing, probably, I'm guessing 17 inches, maybe. And deep? Deep, deep. And I took a couple different angles of it, like a side angle where you can see mm -hmm. how deep it is. But the thing is, it was only one print. And so it was in this little, it was a little trail. I, I, I was just kind of off trail, kind of exploring. Didn't go too far because I didn't know the area. My buddy was down below. It's a little, uh, kind of like a, a 
trail kind of seemed like a tunnel. There was a lot of alders and stuff. But it turned the corner at the top, and it was like a little cul-de-sac in the trail around the corner, real hidden alders all around. Mm -hmm. And the, the area was a lot of leaf litter. This was probably third week of October. This was before we went to this other mm -hmm. spot where we had the experience. This was years ago, quite a few years ago. And uh, so there was, and I've got pictures of it, a lot of leaves, but there was mud because it had rained the night before. So it, was, it, was, it wasn't wet, but it was muddy. You know, it was a thick mud. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it was just this one print. And I just, the minute I saw it, I was like, what the? I mean, it was just so distinct. And uh, I looked the other way and I couldn't find a print and I looked ahead of it and I couldn't find the, another print. Although the, the wood started on, you know, fairly close to this area. Mm -hmm. side. And again, I have pictures I can show you. But And was yeah. the print heading to or from an area? It that was heading um, the way I came, kind of the way I came. It was heading the other way. Like okay. I was coming up this way, it was heading this way. Okay. And I don't know, it must have been from, I'm guessing, the night before that morning. Mm, but fresh. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. tell people how you can tell a fresh track as someone who knows the woods. What are you looking for as far as something that's just been well, laid down in 24 hours? I guess it depends on the weather, but you know, if it's been raining, you'll you'll see it where it's sunk in the mud and stuff. Like mm -hmm. sometimes it's hard to see them because it's hard packed, mm -hmm. like she talked about with the gravel and stuff. That's kind of what our hunting camp was—real super hard packed, dry, mm -hmm. hard dirt. But um, and you get yeah, like forest duff that will land in the track, and that'll tell you the age a little bit. Like yeah, and, and I'm still learning on that toe. I mean, yeah. I haven't found a lot of prints, honestly. I found that one really, really good one. Prints are pretty rare to find. Do you as see far grizzly? Do you see wolf? Um, I've never seen a grizzly. We've seen grizzly tracks. I have yeah. lots of wolf tracks I've taken pictures of. Yeah. We hear the wolves a lot up there where we go. Is there so, any connection between other wildlife activity like owls or wolves with Bigfoot? Do you hear calls in concert you know, with other animals? You know, I can't really say that. I, I hear owls and stuff. I, I heard that they can mimic owls and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But I can't really put that together. Honestly. What about other names said out loud? Do you ever hear somebody do an impression of someone's name? Do you ever hear? I haven't. I've heard that on audio and stuff uh -huh. from other people. but So um, you've never mistakenly heard your name called from someone who says, no, I didn't but, say your name? But we have heard talking in the woods, though. And that's another story I was going to get into if we had time. But mm -hmm. we've heard that twice. What is it? Okay, go ahead. Tell so me. So the first time we heard it was at Sullivan Creek. I don't know if you've heard of Sullivan Lake. There's a mm -hmm. lot of sightings. And there's a lot of sightings on record if you were to go to the big site. They'll have quite a few on there over the years. Um, it's a hot spot. It's, a, it's also a grizzly recovery area. Um, they take the problem grizzlies up there and let them go. Oh, really? So you have to be careful. There's a lot of wolves. It's, okay. it's up by the Canadian border or the... Yeah, Canadian border. Um, anyways, this was at Sullivan Creek. We um, this is the first time we went up there. This is going back probably five, six years. Um, and again, it was my brother-in-law Chris, the guy that had the rock throw incident. Um, we found a really cool camp spot by the creek. It was a little noisy by the creek where we camped. So uh, that night, we actually found a spot where a big tree had fallen across the creek where we could just walk across and go on the other side of the creek and access that ridge in the woods on the other side. And uh, <clears throat> we did that, went in, it got dark, we were sitting down. Um, I can't remember if I did a couple calls or a couple knocks. We were just sitting there, it was dark, and all of a sudden I heard what I thought was a lady talking off in the distance. Mm -hmm. And my mind immediately went to someone's in our camp because we, we'd crossed the creek and walked up the other side of the creek. 
But I didn't realize how far we'd actually walked. We went a long ways. But when I heard that talking, it was I guess it was just my brain trying to quantify what, what I was hearing. Mm-hmm. And it sounded like a lady. My, my brain thought it was a lady talking. So I remember saying, Chris was over here to my left. I was sitting on a log. And I'm like, Chris, do you hear that? And he, he couldn't hear it. He wasn't that far away from me either. But it was coming from the creek was on my right. He was on mm-hmm. my left. And I just heard this lady talking. I'm like, what is that? There's someone out here. And, but, but it's so remote. And it's, you have to cross the creek to get on that side. There's no, you can't drive over there. There's no access. And so my mind was telling me someone was in our camp. And we'd, we have a lot of equipment and guns and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. So I'm always nervous about our cars getting broken into and stuff when we leave, you know. Yeah. So I'm like, Chris, someone's in our camp, man. We, we better go back and check it out, you know. Let's head back there. So we, he just said, he said, okay, let's go back. Didn't hear it again. But once we started walking back to camp on that side of the creek, it was like 100 yards. And with the creek in between us, there's no way I would have heard someone in it our camp. It had to be pretty close was, or loud. Yeah. And so that really struck me. And for and, you to uh, figure out that it's a woman's voice. Yeah, it sounded like too. a woman's voice to me. Uh-huh. And um, at that time, that was the first time I'd ever heard that. Mm-hmm. Where, where I couldn't explain it. There wasn't other people around. Mm-hmm. So being first-time experience, you know, I don't, I don't even think I... Obviously, I didn't think it was Sasquatch or mm-hmm. anything like that. It could have been, who knows, maybe it was a spirit. I mean, I don't know. Did you hear any but, discernible word? No, it was, it was hard to make out. It was like a, a talking, but almost like a mumbling, but mm-hmm. it sounded female to me, like a higher voice. Mm-hmm. So I'm not saying that was Sasquatch. I mean, I've heard that they'll do that, but mm-hmm. it could have been, you know, I hear about hauntings that that happens too, but so we, we got back to camp, you know, I kept thinking, well, gosh, how far did we go? And we must have went 100 yards, and you couldn't hear. Once you got to the edge of the creek to where we were going to cross to our camp, it was loud. The creek's loud. You, mm-hmm. know, you couldn't hear. There's no way you could have heard anybody, unless they were yelling or screaming right. or something, but that's not what I heard. And then the second time, actually, I take that back. I didn't hear it twice. My son heard it the second time. This was at the same area, though, Sullivan Creek. We'd gone up there, just me and him for a weekend, or him and I. And uh, we found a really cool structure that weekend. We stayed a couple nights. This was the last night we were there. Um, it stormed. It was a, a big, loud storm, thunder, lightning. Um, I remember waking up in the middle of the night. And we have little two-man tents when we go by ourselves. So I always put him behind me to where, so I know what direction he's in, in case I ever did have to shoot at a bear or something. Mm-hmm. I know he's... To, oh, yeah. left, to my left Good or idea. whatever, or behind my head. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I woke up. I, I can't tell you what time it was because I couldn't even look at my phone or anything. I was frozen. I was like, I was paralyzed. In the middle of the night, I woke up, and I, I couldn't lift my head. I was looking at my tent. I was, I've, I've never had this happen before, so I'm just describing it the way it happened. I woke up. I'm looking at my tent. Uh, I just felt like something was off, and uh, I couldn't lift my head. And I started, started, heart started pounding. I just started getting scared for some reason. And I wanted to shout out behind me. I knew Corey was right behind me. And I wanted to say, you know, Corey, you okay? What, is there any, you okay? You know, just shout out to him. See if he's okay. That was my first instinct, you know, my dad instinct. And I couldn't. I couldn't, couldn't shout, couldn't do nothing. And I, I finally lifted my head a little bit, but I still couldn't talk. And this is going to sound stupid, but I, I finally just gave up and went back to sleep. I didn't hear anything else. And then we rolled out of the tents in the morning. Corey got out of his tent and he goes, hey, Dad, something weird happened last night. I didn't tell him. I, I didn't told him about it yet. Mm-hmm. And he goes, 
I don't know what time it was, but I heard mumbling like someone talking outside our tent. I'm like, no kidding. And again, he didn't he didn't look at his phone, so I don't. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even know what time it was, so I couldn't really correlate it together at the same time, possibly. Right. But he heard that same sounded like mumbling off in the distance. He couldn't quite make out what it was, what it was saying or the talking. But you heard nothing. I heard no talking or anything. I was just frozen. I mean, I couldn't. You knew. Look. You knew I was something. Like paralyzed. I just something was wrong. Something was wrong. Yeah. yeah. And you went Crazy. back to sleep. I went back to sleep. <laughs> yeah. So much like I, a protective father. <laughs> I, I knew he was right behind me. Yeah. He wasn't yelling or anything, and I couldn't talk. I couldn't. It was weird. It was really weird. But common, yeah. I mean, it's it's pretty common. Yeah, so I don't know. You can make make mm-hmm. it out what you will. But So Corey's heard it once, you've yeah. heard it once. Yeah. And this is all within. Corey actually called it gibberish. He, but I don't know yeah. if he, he's heard that before and maybe used that word because he's heard it before. But yeah. I think he called it mumbling and gibberish. Right. But uh, it was in that same area, and we'd found a structure not far from there. Mm-hmm. A really cool structure. I mean, big trees kind of bent in between each other and... Something that would have taken tremendous strength to pull trees mm-hmm. down and put a big tree in, and you what know about, trees fall together occasionally and all yeah. that. Yeah. What about things following you home? You know, so far, knock on wood, we haven't had anything like that. Anything um, out of the ordinary at your house that seems out of place, especially after you leave the area, happen at home? Any, not, anything not moved or show up? Mm-mm. No strange sounds. No. No. No, I can't say that there has And would been. you encourage it to? Oh, man, I don't know. Mm-hmm. That's kind of, well, I lived in the haunted house for 10 years, so mm-hmm. I've kind of been through that. And, right. You know, it's, it's kind, of, kind of creeps me out. But, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I probably wouldn't encourage it. And plus, mm-hmm. my, piss my wife off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> She'd probably put an end to all this. Yeah. Right. No it's more woods like, for you. Yeah, you're just you're not doing. So no same. hitchhikers following yeah. you home. Nothing like that. No, no. I but you had lived that. with the phenomenon. You've lived in a haunted house before. Yeah. And was that yeah. traumatizing, or was that? Dis- you know, at first it was. I never felt, um, never felt like an evil presence, or never felt threatened mm. that way. But when it first happens, you don't understand it, and it, it creeps you out because you, you know, you mm. hear voices, or you see. I saw apparition multiple times. There's a lady with long flowing hair, just her torso. Ooh. And that kind of creeps you out. It kind of looks witchy, you know. I don't remember really seeing much of a face, but just okay. that long flowing hair. And so I can tell this. I'll, t- I'll try to be quick on this. My son would love to tell this because he, he grew up as a kid mm-hmm. in that house, and he has a lot of stories about that. But uh, I just remember the first time I saw it, We it was an older house. It was our first house. Bedroom here, our bedroom. Corey's bedroom was across the hall. We set up his bed so we could see his bed from our bedroom mm-hmm. to keep an eye on him. And I'll, I'll never forget, I woke up in the middle of the night one night, and I looked up, because every time I wake up, I'd look in his room, just check on him, and there was a lady floating above his bed. A white, like I said, a white torso, long flowing hair. Like horizontal yeah. over Yeah, him? like not with her hands up, yeah. just like, you oh know, my just God. floating with... Leaning over him. Yes, like not real close, but above him. And uh, I think the first time, of course creep me the heck out but I you know maybe I wrote that one off as maybe I was kind of half asleep or dreaming and then uh and then a couple of times I woke up and it was like out of a dead sleep like that and it was right above me and the minute I opened my eyes and saw her she would immediately float out of the room once she saw that I made eye contact she'd float out and and he saw her multiple times 
And then the other thing is I'd hear the loudest crash, Tobe, that you've ever heard. It sounded like the kitchen fell apart. Pots and pans and just unbelievable loud. Like I'm grabbing my gun. I'm, I'm jumping out of bed. Like, There's someone in the house. I go out there, nothing out of place. It's mm-hmm. not a thing. It looked, you couldn't, there's nothing. Mm-hmm. And that happened also with the bathroom where it, felt, it sounded like the shampoo and everything fell into the tub. Mm-hmm. Again, jumping out of, jumping out of my bed. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that just happened. <laughs> and you That's go in the weird. bathroom uh. and nothing's out of place. Nothing's mm-hmm. falling. Yeah, I mean, loud. And uh, that happened a few times. It scared the hell out of me. And then... Um, had my I, I was held down, kind of like similar to what I told you happened camping, mm-hmm. but it was on the couch, and um, I think it emanated from the basement because my son saw it down there multiple times, and mm. oh man, I could I could go on and on. Stuff's starting to come back to me, but mm-hmm. and the, one pheno- time, the phenomena stayed at that old house. Yeah, it did. Yeah. In fact, um, I'll try to finish this up here. So I never told my wife because she's really touchy about. She knows now it's okay, but <laughs> I never told her because I knew she'd want to move because we used to watch the ghost shows and stuff. Yeah. If that ever happens, I'm moving. Yeah, so she said that over and over. Right. So I couldn't tell her, right? I know that's bad, but I, I couldn't tell her. Right. And my son, so we were all in the in downstairs in the rec room. House was finished, watching TV. And my son was like two, two and a half at the time. We had a spare bedroom in the basement. He came running out of the spare bedroom. We're watching TV, and he stops in front of us, and he goes, lady in there lady in there like two and a half years old and I'd already had I'd already seen it I knew I knew and I, I was just going I didn't want to say nothing I didn't want to tip my wife off and um, so he'd seen it as a little kid and then mm-hmm. even as he got older he said he saw the mm-hmm. tooth fairy come to his door a few times in his room he called it the tooth fairy because that's all he could think he was like she'll four, have to tell you a story four, later. four five six seven years old he said dad the, I saw the tooth fairy came to my room last night and of course, and other times he'd wake up screaming, bloody mm. murder, like like little kids do anyways, right? Yeah. Have a bad dream or something. So, like I said, I never got an evil feeling or a super threatening feeling, but it, kind of a creepy feeling because you don't understand it. Right. And anyways, um, I was held down on the couch one night. I was, I fell asleep on the couch watching TV in that rec room, and I was, I, I felt honest. I was laying there, sleeping. I woke up. I was awake, and I, I heard this buzzing, like, on my head. It was like a vibrational buzz. And I tried to lift my head, and I couldn't. So it felt like it was laying on me, whatever it was. And I finally broke free of it. And I, imme- I knew where it came from. I immediately, once I broke free of that par- paralysis, I sat up on the couch, and I looked towards that back bedroom. It was almost like I knew it went back to that back bedroom. And that's where a lot of the stuff happened. Mm-hmm. Long story short... My mom moved in with us for a couple of years. She came up from California back to town and went through some stuff. We had her stay with us, get her back on her feet kind mm-hmm. of thing. And um, This had been going on for quite a few years, you know, and I kept it from my wife and stuff. And one morning, I'd always get ready for work in the basement, not to wake them up up there, but my mom was in that other room. And I remember getting out of the shower one morning, and my mom was up. She never got up that early. And she goes, Nate, I need to talk to you about something. Like, okay. She goes... I think we sat down on the couch, and she goes, I think you have a ghost in this house. And I was like, thank God. I know, Mom, I know. <laughs> she validated So she was in that back bedroom. She heard something walking on the rug next to the bed, walked around the bed, sat down on the bed. She felt the bed 
go like this. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she told me all about it and stuff. And so that just kind of validated. I knew, I knew what was happening, mm -hmm. but it validated everything. And uh, at some point after that, she moved back out. I remember I was getting ready for work in that spare bedroom. And uh, I remember getting that feeling. I knew it was right behind me. I think I'm kind of sensitive to that kind of stuff, honestly. All this hair went up on, you know, the goosebumps. Mm -hmm. I knew it was behind me in that room. I was putting on my clothes or whatever. And I just turned around. I knew it was in the corner. And I just kind of lost it. I was, I was done with it. And I told it. I can't say what I told it. To get the, get the F out of my house. And it just went silent. And it never came back. Oh, wow. I never had another thing happen there. Yeah. But since then, I got to I got to be careful here. But so <laughs> my comes out. my son or my sister, because everyone by this point everyone knows about all the stories now. It's the house has changed hand a few times, and, and someone got an, up the nerve to ask the new owners if they've had any activity, and she goes, "Yeah, we were scared to death. We've had stuff happen in here, so it's still oh, there." Wow. But it left me alone yeah. when I told it to get away and leave. Yeah. And how long did you live there without any activity after that? Gosh, quite a. I was there probably 10 years and, okay, okay, thank you so much. Um, probably a few years, maybe two, three years, I'm guessing. That's, yeah, and you're having consistent activity yeah. until you told yeah, it to was. F up. It was, it, was, um, yeah. it was off and on. Maybe we'd have a stretch of time where nothing would happen and then yeah. something would happen. It wasn't yeah. like constant, 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 Right. you know, over years. Mm -hmm. And I'm probably forgetting a lot of the stories, but uh, my Did dad. Did you ever walk away with my the dad history? said he because my dad stayed in that room. Oh, okay. My dad and I bought the house together early on. Yeah. Because he wanted to get get me some credit and get yeah. me going on that, and then he moved out and okay, basically and we bought the house from him. Yeah. But he once I told him about all this, I said, "Do you have any weird experiences?" And he goes, "Yeah, I was held down in my bed down there. Ah. Same thing that happened to me." So he validated that also. Did you come closer to who it was? Was it a, so, someone attached to the house? So um, all I know is I remember when we bought the house, it was an early 1900s house, moved from another area of an older part of the Spokane Valley, moved to uh, south in the Spokane Valley. It was an empty lot. They moved the house on. It was just uh, they built a basement, put the house on top of it. Um, I remember when we were buying the house, the owner who had it had some problems with the people before, like a real... Um, What's the word? Oh, people with a lot of issues fighting. Okay. Violent, like there was holes in the walls. They kicked holes in the walls. Um, okay. There was some kind of friction, or uh, that's not even the right word. Some kind of um, turmoil with the family that had it before us. That's all I know. Okay. And then, of course, it was an old, old house, mm -hmm. too, so who knows, but. Um, wow. Yeah. So, and so you do you feel like any of those, well, you did, you said that. Some of those ghostly experiences feel like things that have happened in Bigfoot areas. The sleep paralysis that, being yeah, one of them. And, and Is there any other tie-over, in your opinion, from living in a haunted house to going hunting in the woods with Bigfoot? You know, all I can around? say, and I can't really um, pin this down. I can't. I can't be sure about it, but I. I, I get the feeling like I kind of know when they're around. Mm -hmm. Possibly. You know, I don't know. I, I don't communicate with them or anything like that. I'm not saying that, but I'm just, I feel like I'm kind of sensitive to that kind of thing, you know? Mm -hmm. And then I kind of, through this journey, I've got this saying, like, once they know that you're aware of them, or you're aware, they're aware that you're aware of them, mm -hmm. things happen. I mean, things happen all the time to us out there in the woods, you know? It's almost like, 
Um, Beyond even hunting, do, like when you go for a hike, do you find strange stuff uh, when you're out in the woods? I, I do a lot just because I look for it, mm -hmm. you know? I mean, I just think about all the years we walked by stuff and mm -hmm. didn't, even, didn't even notice it because we're not, you're just right. looking straight ahead at the trail. You got tunnel vision or you're in a hurry or, mm -hmm. you know. Okay, what do you think so, they are, Nate? We've had you for about an well, hour and a half. Boy, What's your conclusion? Fast. I think they're a, a relic human. I think they're an ancient human. I believe in um, Dr. Melba Ketchum's study. Mm -hmm. I think they did a great job. We both know people who were involved in that. Mm -hmm. yeah, they rich. did it the right way. Yeah. They did it the right way. They didn't contaminate 110 samples, hair, blood, tissue. Um, what else? Am I forgetting something? Hair, blood, tissue, saliva. I think Rich had some saliva off a of game camp. Right, and they were they, blind uh, test studies. Eight, all sent out eight different labs, blind tests. Mm -hmm. They sent the hair samples to independent hair analysis before they were sent to the labs. They couldn't identify the hair as anything they had on record. And we all know how that study came out. I don't have to mm -hmm. go through it right here, but human mother at the mitochondrial level, mm -hmm. nuclear level, unknown father, not on gen bank, not on file. Mm -hmm. So where do, you, where do you go with that? I don't, I don't know what they are, but I think... I think that study showed that they're mm -hmm. more human. Right. And so I think they're an ancient or relic human. Well, so now, wouldn't they, they have to know, if you go through the fossil record or the gen bank record, the male progenitor side of the DNA should show up somewhere in gen bank, but if it doesn't, mm -hmm. how is it still mm -hmm. a relic hominid, just well, based upon the fact that the there's no relic previous to it? Human mother, for sure, right? Yeah, but the male side. Yeah. So is it, I don't know, Tobe, is it biblical? Is it, I mean, people talk about the mm -hmm. fallen angels. and um, I guess it depends on if you believe in the Bible. But um, I don't know. It's, you know, I can't, I can't sit here and say I know what it is. That's right. just the way I'm leaning. Mm -hmm. I think the evidence points to that. And then, you know, I don't know if they're related in any way, but you look at the giant bones, all the giant bones found in history, and there's photos of them, and turn of the century, going back even mm -hmm. further. Presidents, Washington, Lincoln, they talked about giants, giant bones. You know, oh, yeah, I don't they, know that. I didn't yeah, know that no, about Yeah, no, some Lincoln. of the presidents, Lincoln okay. actually talked about them. Okay. Um, so what, I guess, looking at the big picture, what are they covering up? They're, they're covering all this up. They're, mm -hmm. they're covering Sasquatch up. We know that they know. But why the cover-up? I don't know. That's the thing. There's, mm -hmm. There must be something big to this. There must mm -hmm. be something huge. Is it knowledge that we don't have? Is it... Mm -hmm. At some point, did we have some of this ability that they've mm -hmm. kind of washed out of us with, you know, uh, just mm -hmm. all the things we're exposed to? Mm -hmm. I don't know. I mean, you talk you, if you if you look at the Native Americans, the First Nations, they thought of them as another tribe of people, another tribe. Right. Right. I mean, that's universal. They all had different names, meant different things, mm -hmm. but none of them thought of them as an ape or an animal. I mean, we know that. Mm -hmm. So for hundreds and hundreds of years before we were even here. And um, I mean, that's kind of where I'm at on it. So are you looking we for know, I, I, my, my answer to that would be mm -hmm. we kind of know what they're not. Mm -hmm. We don't really know what they are. But to me, it's, it's cut and dry. It's not an ape. That's just my opinion. Right. Are you okay with it being an open-ended mystery? Yeah, totally. You don't need answers. I, no, I don't. And, yeah. and I always tell people we're not out, out, we're not doing this to go out there and prove it to anybody. I mean, yeah, if I I have some pictures I got to show you of, of what I think is one, but uh, 
of course we're going to take evidence, photos, video, if we get a video, of course we're going to do it. But it's more validation mm -hmm. for our experiences, and it's, to, it's kind of a quest to learn right. for ourselves to try to find answers. It's, you know, and we enjoy doing it. I love being, something about being out in the woods in the middle mm -hmm. of nowhere. It's so, it's so peaceful, de-stressing, mm -hmm. and it's something my son and I can mm -hmm. do together. We both enjoy, you know. Do you like feeling like prey? It, it kind of, I mean, well, no, the there's way, been, I got to admit, there's been a couple it, times, yeah. you know, where, where I, I try to listen to my gut, you know. Uh -huh. if, it, if it feels like it's going to be too dangerous, we'll get uh -huh. out of there. We won't. But is there something about being on the opposite side of the food chain that is challenging to you? Yeah. Because you are something. a hunter, and you For never me, been put in the position of having a predator yeah. outsmart you. Right. Yeah, good point. But for me, it's just the... Uh, something keeps pulling me that mm -hmm. way. Like it's it's the it's the search for answers. I mm -hmm. I just want to know more about them. I guess. Is, right. I know that's kind of general, but I just uh, it just sucks you in. Yeah. And when you have oh, these yeah. experiences, mm -hmm. rocks thrown at you in the middle of nowhere. You know mm -hmm. the, the screams, the knocks, all this stuff you can't explain. Mm -hmm. It just for me, it's just the, the search and, and trying to find answers for for myself. In the yeah, last few minutes, I have you here too. What is uh, what, you have a social media link? You have a group that you're attached yeah, to. Yeah, so about it's that. it's Wibs, it's Washington, Idaho Bigfoot Search. My son actually founded the group. It was his idea, and the idea behind it was to have a place where you know anybody in the Northwest really, but we started it as Washington, Idaho. Anybody in our local area could come. We were hoping they'd come forward, tell us about their encounters. We just want to learn from people. Because honestly, I think you learn the most from other encounters. Mm -hmm. That's where a lot of the knowledge is, I think. Right. And so we were hoping to have a place. And we've gotten some reports. Um, it's hard to get people to come forward, it seems, um, unless you're Steve Isdall. He's, 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 he's doing a pretty good job of that. Mm -hmm. But uh, just a place where people could bring their encounters without... If they want to stay anonymous, they can stay anonymous. Mm. But for us to learn from them, to compare, um, talk to them, try mm -hmm. to find out more. Um, yeah. And then have areas where we have the reports where we can go investigate it too. Right. You know, and follow up on it if, if the person's good with that or, you know. Yeah. We respect everyone's privacy and all that. But that's why we started it. But it turned into something bigger. Um, it's opened some doors for me, meeting people like you, um, having some other opportunities to do things in mm -hmm. this field. And it's easy to reach out to people and, and talk to people and compare right. notes. And for me, that's I've made yeah. a lot of friends over the last few years. Yeah, because there's some commonalities that you've shared yeah. along the way here that are totally connected to Bigfoot activity or supernatural yeah. or paranormal so, activity. You know, I I gravitate towards the guys like you where we, we kind of align on not just Sasquatch but other things. But um, we're open-minded. Um, like I said, I think there's a lot more to this, mm -hmm. and I think you have to be open-minded. You mean we're and, not brainwashed? And, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, but you know, I, like I, but I but I respect everyone. I I respect the old school researchers. I may not agree with them, but you know, yeah. I don't want to fight with anybody. There's too much fighting in this thing. Yeah, well, you're a busy but, guy too. You yeah, have that time for that. Exactly. Crap. So, all right, this is uh, this is it for us. The bars are closing. That was Nate Red. Thanks, Nate. Thank you. Thank appreciate you, Aaron. It. It's good. It's show, fun. Show me your hat. Oh, okay. This is, we want to bury the lead here. This episode of Strange Brow Radio is brought to you by Deep Eddie Vodka. Yes, the deeper <laughs> you go, the harder your liver falls. Deep Eddie Vodka. All right, that was my conversation with Nate Rudd at the White Horse, historically haunted White Horse 
Saloon and Spirit Lake, Idaho. The way it should be done, as far as I'm concerned, from a haunted bar. And we stayed the night there. I think it's a whopping $60 or so to stay the night. A single bed, very rustic, very rustic. I just think like a haunted youth hostel from the 1900s, and then you'll have some idea what we're talking about. And uh, I don't know what's up with Spirit Lake and their uh, women's help centers placed all over the place, but not just in Spirit Lake. hope the ladies out there are uh, safe and sound, but I saw a lot of places in Idaho, at least uh, in this section of Idaho, for women avoiding violence and running to, to these uh, random shelters, and there was, there was one in Spirit Lake, so um, settle down, men. So check check out the White Horse Saloon uh, if you want and uh, have a good time there. Um, Nate, you want to see the full YouTube video, you can do that. Go check out uh, our Strange Brow Radio YouTube channel there. You'll meet uh, Nate Rudd on camera and, and see these photographs that we're alluding to. Now, speaking of photographs, I was privy, as well as Aaron was privy to an incredible piece of uh, video that was shown to us while we were in Idaho. And I can't go into too many details about what I've seen, but I wrote about it, and I was told I could express what I've seen to you. But I saw a piece of video that looked authentic of what was... I can't think of any other word to say, but was a Sasquatch on FLIR from uh, a helicopter zooming in at close range. And for me, um, it was as good as the Patterson-Gimlin footage because you could see it in FLIR. So if you can imagine a helicopter zoomed in, so it appears as though you're less than 200, definitely less than 300 feet away from a subject at a 30-degree angle in a helicopter with a high-grade military FLIR and watching it stealthily move through the forest on what appears to be kind of a ridgeline, or maybe that's just the camera angle, for maybe 15 or 20 seconds, um, you'll have a close idea, closer idea of what I saw. And I don't know what will ever happen with this video. Um, I understand that the person that shot it is still in the military and that has some complications to it. I don't know how it got leaked. I don't know the provenance of it. I don't know what to say other than the fact that I saw it and it's out there and um, I think other people have seen it as well. And it's damn good and it needs to go into the right, you know, the right filter if it ever comes out, even if it's totally anonymous. Um, the breakdown that one could do with this video is got to be impressive because it's an impressive 20 seconds or so of, of FLIR footage of a bipedal, stealthily walking, shoulders unwavering shot uh, on FLIR of what appears to be a Sasquatch. Certainly didn't appear to be someone in a costume. It was CGI or something else. Um, so that exists and uh, I was excited about it for quite a while after I saw it and I bet you would be too if you saw it but I don't know if that's ever going to happen <laughs> so that's that's what I know kind of a teaser um, well it's totally a teaser but what's not a teaser is uh, the Al Moon Lab 
and that's filled with incredible stuff in there that me and Daryl Adams uh, shot for a period of almost a year and a half, two years, and you can get the book. Go get it over at the Amazon app if you have it. Check it out. I think it's about 15 bucks. Um, there's over like an hour and a half, two hours worth of video and audio in there and some documentation and papers, journals. Rate review it if you have time to do that. And if you have a story you'd like to tell, get a hold of me at strangebrowradio at gmail.com. That's it for me, and I will see you in the tree. We'll be right back.